want to continue today in the sermon that I started last week entitled Overcoming Stress. How many of you are stressed today? Raise your hand. How many of you got a little bit more stress when you had to raise your hand? All right. We live in a stress, very high-paced society. Hey, Beckham, thank you for the table. And uh, John 16 and 33 says, These things have I spoken to you, that in this world you might have peace. He says, You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, he says. Why? For I have overcome the world. And you heard uh, Max say that a moment ago. If I'm in Christ, I'm not only a new creature, but watch this, I too become an overcomer. I'm an overcomer because of what he's done, not because of what I've done or what I may be able to do. And that's the reality. And here's why that's important to you and I today is because if we associate ourselves, that's being a Christian, if we associate ourselves to put on the mind of Christ, as Philippians 2 says, to become like him, to think like him, that even in the most detrimental, difficult, fearful, scary times in our life, the unknown, if you will, stepping out on the water as Peter did, the great unknown, we can have not a stressful life, but a peaceful life. Why? Because remember when he did tell the disciples as they were in the Sea of Galilee and the storms became contrary. That's a cool word that's used there in the scripture that the storms, the wind and the wave was contrary. means that it was all against them. And oftentimes we feel that that's the way it is in this life. That everything, everybody is against us. But watch what happened. Jesus was asleep in the hull of the boat. He wasn't concerned about it. Even in his humanity, he wasn't concerned about what was going to happen. Why? Because he knew the power that dwelt in him and watch what he did when he saw that they had little faith he stepped up in the front of the boat held up his hand and said what say it with me peace be still and watch what happens the disciples begin to be amazed and they begin to to dialogue among themselves and they said what manner of man is this they can speak to the winds and the waves and they obey his voice i'll tell you what kind of manner of man this is he's the same manner of man that can speak to the storms of your life and an ultimate peace, the Bible calls it, that passes understanding, human comprehension, can overwhelm you. Watch this, in the middle of your storm. See, it takes no faith to, to, to when you come out of the storm. The faith is truly driven in the heart of a Christian when everything is against you. Everything is contrary. And the reality is today is God doesn't want you to be stressed out. Why? We talked about that last week. I gave you three principles, if you will, of overcoming stress. And we turn today, if you have your Bibles, to Isaiah chapter 40, the prince of the prophets, Isaiah, one of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament scripture. Isaiah chapter 6 is one of my favorite passages. Isaiah 40 is probably my second favorite. And I'll show you why in just a moment. It kind of speaks to the, to the sovereignty of God, the weakness of man, and then an overcoming answer for all of those things as we mix in. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31, here's what he says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? I almost want to say that to the church today. Did you not know? Have you not heard how wonderful this God is that we serve? Can you imagine that he's up in heaven looking down upon you and I as we're going through all of the crazies of life with our hands high like, what do we do? And he's like going, have you not heard? Did you not know? That I'm the one that came, I framed the world out of nothing, I breathed life into you and you became a living soul. I did all of these things, I told the ocean where to stop, I put the islands in place, I set the firmament above and the firmament below, I put rain in the air, I made the flowers to grow, nobody cares, nobody worries about the lily of the valley, guess what I do, he says, because I'm intimately concerned with my creation, but he made you and I in his likeness and in his image and we have the person of Christ in our heart through the Holy Spirit to overcome these things yet have you not heard did you not know the power that rests inside of you and I believe that's where Isaiah was going he went on to say the everlasting God the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth watch what he does he never faints nor does he become weary 
His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29 is where we enter the equation. Watch what he says. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, that's you and I, he increases their strength. Even the youth, the young people shall faint. Young people, it's going to get tough. You're not exempt from it either. Used to, you would think young people could just live vicariously through life as if nothing mattered. They could go outside and play in the dirt. They could go outside and play by the pool. All these things could happen. And you'll hear from a lady next week who is an overcomer because she let her two-year-old just for one second get out of her sight. And the boy walked right outside the door, walked over in the pool. And two years old, little Caden Williams died right there at his mother's watch. How do you overcome that? Here's how. Because he gives strength to, strength to the weary. He's a God that overcomes the biggest obstacles in our life. And watch what he says. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young man shall utterly fall. But watch this. But those. Here's, here's our hope. But those who wait upon the Lord. Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. We talked last week, number one, about the problem of stress. The problem is, is we're all going through it. We all have stress in our life. Probably more today, yet we're more technologically advanced. We have more, quote unquote, human knowledge than ever before. Think about it. In the 1900s, everything entered to the equation. Prior to the 1900s, man walked or rode a horse everywhere he went. We see the creation of the automobile. We see the creation of the airplane. We put men in flight. We sent man to the moon. We have ultra supersonic jets that can outrun the speed of sound. You see, before 1900, they communicated by a written word they communicated by telegraph and then you see the entrance of the phone you see the fax machine the computer now the cell phones where man we could talk to people all over the world and I could go on and on and on from the beginning of time all the way to the 1900s everything shifted that paradigm completely changed and man become high minded trite and pious why because we started to overcome we started to see things but can I tell you something in the crazy world in which we live we have forgot how to communicate with people we have a cell phone today, and I can talk to a guy 6,000 miles away, but I can't talk to the person next to me in the same room. Everybody say amen. See, the reality is, is the more great we get, the less we see our need for a holy God. Enters in the equation while we go through difficulty. Can I tell you something? God will stop at nothing to get his people to turn back to him. Study the Old Testament, guys. Study the Old Testament. Children, men, women, boys and girls died by the millions because they turned away from a holy God. When, when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, remember the people defaulted, said, where's our leader? we got to worship something. And they created a calf that was golden. And all those people that were a part of that, they died, guys. They didn't enter into the promised land. Mark, what's the promised land? It's not heaven. It's the fullness of God. It's the peace of God. It's everything that dwells with me when I walk with Christ. It is the peace that passes understanding. It's the answers to the unanswerable. It's the hope to the hopeless. It's life in the midst of death. That's what he wants for you and I. He wants the fullness of all that. But watch this. We have become too high-minded. And we, therefore, have become more stressed than ever before. There are only two characters in Isaiah chapter 40. It's an almighty God. We talked about that last week. He's sovereign. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnibenevolent. He's all-loving. All of those things factor together. And then enters in you and I, a weak, helpless, undone soul. If you don't know that today, one of the greatest things you can do today to step out of stress and into a perfect harmony with God is realize He's everything and you and I are nothing. Don't preach well. 
But can I tell you something? The sooner we realize how insignificant our life is, aside from the power of God in us, the sooner we will begin to come out of the stressful life that we're in. I shared with you last week, really the ultimate problem with stress is you and I are control freaks. Some of you in this room are control freaks. I used to be a control freak. Some would add that I still am a control freak. Shut your mouth. It's bad when your CFO's back there. Hey, man, you ain't the control freak, Lord. Use him. But here's the thing. I am forcing myself. I am praying daily. And pray for me to let go of things. I, I tell you what, let's, just so I don't feel so terrible. How many of you guys in here are controlling people? Come on, wave your hand. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand because you're like, I didn't think of it first. I'm so controlling, I'm not going to raise my hand. But see, the reality is, it's when I realize that I'm not in control. Hear me, I'm just going to say something that is going to be profound if God will allow me to articulate this in the right way because it changed my life. Those of you who are controlling, you're stressed out more than anybody else. Because things in life are not ordered the way that we want them to be. Now, we've added a lot of abbreviations to these things in our, in our common era. When I was a kid, man, I would have been ADD, OCD, uh, WWD. I would have been everything, man, when I was a young person, okay? They didn't know what that meant. Now, there was nothing to, to throw in my mouth or whatever. Mama just said, get outside and play. Tear something up. Go break the dirt. You know, but th today, we, we got all these things going on. And, and listen, I, I'm not saying that disrespectfully to you parents that, that are, oh my gosh, that are trying to navigate through, through all of these difficulties that, of those things I just named. But, but, but watch this now. But for those of us who are OCD and ADD and all these things, can I tell you something? You just need to let everything you have that you're up here fixated about, you need to lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I have no control. Let me tell you what's going to happen if you don't you're going to go through something like i went through in 1999 and here's what happens god will bring you to a point of reckoning everything you think you have control over daddies and mamas young people watch this god will show you in a dramatic catastrophic way that you are not in control and everything implodes and there you find yourself perhaps on your face in your bedroom in a puddle of tears in the carpet realizing you can't fix it anymore. Can I tell you something? That's not the worst place to be. The worst place to be is when you think, erroneously, that you are controlling the affairs of your life because you're not. One heartbeat away from death each of us are. One heartbeat. My uh, daughter-in-law, Maggie, uh, her father, a great pastor friend, he and I went to visit a, a man one day that we got the word was going to be passing away probably in the next day or so. They knew it. And so we went up to Emory. And I, again, I was, I was a very young preacher, and I was, I was thinking on the way up there, I'm thinking, I'm going to go in there, and I'm, I got all these things, and I'm going to say him, man, you lived a great life. And, and I was just going to encourage him. And once again, a control issue. And, and, and Benji, uh, Maggie's dad, he's very very calm, very passive, didn't say a whole lot. And I walked in, and there, there laid that man across the bed, and I walked in, and he said, Preacher Mark. Just barely could hold his hand up. Preacher Benji walked in. And he said, have you heard? I only got two days to live. I didn't know what to say. I went blank. Pastor Benji looked at him. He said, buddy, you've got more than I do then. He said, what do you mean? He said, the Bible says we're not promised a second. A 
You see, here's the, here's the, check it out now. We think that people like Punk Merle who are terminally ill and, and in hospice and home care, we think, well, man, but bless their hearts. Man, they, their life is on. Can I tell you something? You don't know what's going to happen when you pull out of this parking lot. You don't know. Ten years ago, I stood sharing my faith with two individuals who were, I mean, just tattooed up, piercings all over the place. They're, they're, you could smell alcohol in their breath. The church would not have given them two cents of time. But watch this. They came to me and God said, that's what I died for. I shared faith with them. Both of them received Christ. They left that night. It was 1235. They left. And at 2 a.m., just less than an hour and a half later, they had a car crash and died that night. Terrible story. Oh, no, no, no. I see it as the, the love and the sovereignty and the long-suffering of God. Why? Because he knew that they would accept Christ that night. Her aunt called me to preach the funeral. Didn't have a mom. Aunt called me said, will you preach the funeral? I'm like, man, you know I will. I'll preach the funeral. Yeah, because I give an invitation at every funeral. And I stood up in front of those people. Man, people lined the walls. It was the most people I've seen in that room in a, in a building there over in LaGrange at a funeral home. And I preached. And I remember going down. I did something I'd never done. I walked down in front and I put my hand on the casket. I said, Holly is not here. This is not Holly. She's in heaven today. Not because she's a great young lady, but because she accepted a perfect will of God and accepted Jesus. And I looked at her. I said, what about you? That day, 43 people come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior because of her death. See, we're stressed about other people losing their life and you don't even know when your moment has come. You don't know when your time is up. Number two, and I want you to get this. Not only is there a problem with stress, there's a provision. Everybody say provision. There's a provision of stress. Let me read a verse to you, verse 31 of Isaiah 40. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There are three distinct, distinctive provisions within this context. One, there is a time where we can fly in the rigors of life. You can fly. In the rigors of life. We see the eagle and we see the story. And, and the reality of an eagle is this. When a storm comes, all the other birds take refuge in a nest, under a building, under a branch. But no, no, no. Not the majestic eagle. Oh, no. When the storms come, watch this. He gets excited. Bird lovers will tell you. They get excited. They begin to, to kind of flap their wings in the nest. Why? Because they're about to soar off and be picked up above the storm. There's no other bird like them in the world. And they go up above. They'll catch a thermal pocket. All the storms raging below. But watch what they do. They fly above the rigors of life. That's what you and I need to do. But here's the problem. we got to learn how to view what the storm is. Is, this a, is the storm a problem? Or is it a potential? The story of a lady who was entering into a small town, coming home from a, from a bridal shower. And she, it went really late, and she didn't really want to ride home by herself. And she was coming through this one little small town, didn't have it like one stoplight. And, and she's coming, coming into town, and, and uh, her worst fear, she, she looked down, and her, her cell phone was dead. She said, oh, my gosh, just let me make it home. She looks up. Her, her fuel tank is almost on empty. And about that time, sure enough, her car began to sputter. She's like, oh, Lord, no, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this happen. And she comes to a stop, and she begins to freak out. She can't call anyone. So she says, okay, I'm just going to remember what Dad said. I'm going to roll up the windows. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to sit here. I'm sure a cop in this little small town will ride by in a moment. He'll see me. Somebody will come by, and they'll save me. Everything's going to be fine. And she sits tight. And if that weren't bad enough, she looks up through the windshield and she sees this big, burly guy with a tank top. Muscles, tank top. It, big hairy body come walking down the road and she's like freaking out. Oh my God. 
This guy is fixing to take me out of this car. He's going to rape me. All these things went through her mind. She said, maybe if I just kind of slide down in the seat, he won't see me and he'll walk right by the car. As he got closer, her, her, her worst fears became a reality. The guy walked up to the car and started knocking on the door and started trying to say something to her. She is screaming and she's kicking. She jumps over into the passenger side and he comes around that side. He's knocking on the door. She goes back the other side and she's, oh my God, please God, don't let this man kill me. And she's screaming and he's screaming something. And, and, and finally he walks away and she's crying and she's sitting there. She's like, oh Lord, I, please don't let this guy come back. She looks in her rearview mirror about five minutes later and the guy's running back towards the car and he's got a bar in his hand. And she's crying and she's screaming, God, please don't let this guy kill me. And he knocks on the door again. Please go away, go away. And he knocks the window out. He reaches in. She tries to kick his hand and he just keeps pushing. And he unlocks the door. She jumps over in the back seat. She gets her feet up. She kicks him in the face. His face is bleeding. But nothing stops this huge beast of a man. He grabs her by the pant leg and he drags her out. And he pulls her up and he grabs her hair. And he pulls her over on the ground. And she wiggles away and he throws her to the ground. And he looks back about this time a huge crash. And she looks up and her car had come to rest on a train track. You see, the reality is sometimes in the rigors of life, You do the same thing with Jesus. He shows up at just the right time. And he sees the danger that you don't see. He sees the outflowing of the moments that have yet to come into your life. And you and I are kicking and screaming because we don't know why. And we say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why? Why the storm in my life? And all the while, he's just trying to save you from yourself or some situation that's going to unfold that you haven't yet to understand. Quit kicking and screaming when God is really allowing you to be broken of your will, to be broken of your mindset of how you think it should unfold. Here's the truth. You can fly in the rigors of life. I shared with you last week in, 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 in Deuteronomy chapter 31, I believe it is, where you remember I said last week where the, the mama eagle will take and she will stir the nest, as it says, and, and, and move all the feathers and all the comfort out so that the eaglets will come to the edge of the nest, of the nest and, and then finally she'll just shove them off and they topple end over end over end just you know screaming this screech of a little eaglet and then the mama will look and right at the last minute before they fall to the death, she will soar down and she'll catch them on her wings. Those who wait on the Lord shall mount up on wings of eagles and they shall not run and be weary they shall not walk in faint and they rise them back up and watch this she starts the process over do you ever feel like you just come from storm to storm to storm to storm anybody else besides me maybe God's trying to teach you how to soar higher than the storm because at some point two three maybe four days that little eaglet as he's toppling over begins to and his wings catch air and he soars up and I almost wonder if that eagle look back and go love you mama you to bomb. See, sometimes God just wants to get you to the point where you can't quit freaking out and quit kicking and screaming. He might be trying to just save your life. And maybe he just wants you to soar. Not only can you fly in the rigors of life, watch this. You can run in the rush of life. Here's a big revelation. Some of y'all need to write this down. You have exactly enough time in a day to do everything. So everybody say everything. You have enough time in the day to do everything, dot, 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 that God has called you to do. How many of you say this? I don't have enough time in the day. And I just, I, I tell you what, man, it's just, I watch the clock and the clock's just flying in time. Let me tell you something. 
you probably are doing a lot of things that you ought not be doing. And they may all be good things, but they may not be the best thing. See, the reality is, is God is calling you day to day to, to in the rush, in the, in the crazy of life, to just step out into a place of normalcy and calmness. Those of us, us, those of you who own a business, I, I know, man, you run from sun up to sundown. You're not punching a clock. Man, you're chasing the clock. But you know what I would challenge you to do? Back up one minute and sit back and go, what can I do different that I can maximize my time and be effective in what I'm doing as a business owner, as a husband, as a daddy, as a brother, as a father, whatever the case may be? There, there's, there's people in this room that have told me, said, you know what I did? I, I didn't have any time for anything, but you know what? I started a Bible study in my business on Monday morning, just sharing the word and praying. That's it. 10, 15 minutes. And God maximized my time. See, the, the, the fact is, as we, as we go through life, it, we're, we're much like the, the gazelle. In the African plain, the gazelle wakes up every morning and says, if I can run faster than the lion, I can live today. Across the plain, there's an African lion saying, if I can run faster than the gazelle today, I will eat. You see, that's what we do. We, we set these, these things, these marks in the sky. We, if I can only... If I could only do, then it will happen. It reminds me of Stephanie and I went to Alaska several months, a month or so ago. You, you guys know that. And I remember we were walking through this one place. We had this lady, a native, she was taking us down to see these uh, bear feeding on salmon. And I mean, there's salmon just coloring, I mean, the, 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 the creeks and the streams. Just, it's amazing. And, and I'm walking down. I don't let Stephanie know this, obviously, but I'm walking down like going, this is going to be awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about a bear. Just be real with you. I mean, but I won't let her know that. I'm like, I'm asking the lady. I'm going to go. I'm just like, if you see any bear, you let me know. And, and you know what she said? One, one of the little kids said, hey, he said, how fast can a bear run? And the lady looked at her and said, you ain't got to worry about outrunning, outrunning the bear. You just got to outrun the slowest person in your group. I already had that nailed down. I saw this little kid. I'm thinking, I'm going to trip him up. I'm going to outrun him. <laughs> I'm just saying. Transparency, Pastor David. That's what we try to be here, right? But see, you don't even have to outrun the slowest person in your church. Here's why, we, here's why I say that. Don't we look at other people in our church, in our community, and go, as long as I can be better than him then I'm okay with God. Can I tell you something? You're running the wrong race. You want to really put a litmus test on your life? Come stand beside Jesus Christ, the person who died on the cross for not only people who would hate him, despise him, reject him, but those who would put him on a cross. Let me tell you something. You want to see how your life is? Pull your car up next to Jesus and see how you mount up. See, I'm not running against you. I'm not racing against myself. I'm not trying to uh, outrun the slowest person so that I can walk through the finish line and go, well, I'm not, I made it. I made it. Let me tell you what I want to do. I want to be like the old Ray Bolt song that says, thank you. I, you know what I want? I want to see people in heaven, man, that are walking around going, hey, I was at Rush back in 2005. You didn't know me. You still don't know me. But, hey, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hey, I was one of those people in a funeral that she preached for a brother the other day, and I gave my life to Jesus. 
Jesus. Not because I want an award for myself, but I want a crown of life so that I may come to Jesus when I get to heaven and lay him at his feet and say, you're worthy because that's what you put me here. That's the difference I want to make. And that's the difference you want to make too. The hope is that in the rush of life that we can continue to run. But watch this. There's one third thing. And that's that we need to learn how to walk in the routine of life as the band comes. Listen. Listen to me very carefully. Do you know most burnouts in life and Christian faith does not happen in the rigors? It doesn't even happen in the rush. Do you know where most people fall out of the church? Do you know where most pastors hang it up and say, I'm done? It's in the mundane, everyday stuff of life. If you study Scripture, you will find out that there's times where God just looks at people like Abraham in the Ur of Chaldees, a place where he was abiding. And God began to call him and began to speak in his spirit. And watch what he told him. I love this. He said, I want you to leave your home, Abraham. And I almost wonder, Abraham said, where am I going? Here's what he told him. Start walking. And I will show you where you will go. Read it. It's there. I'm not kidding. Leave your home. Leave your normalcy. Leave your protection. Leave everything you know and just start walking. You know, the Bible says, says it another way like this. The just shall how? Walk by faith. We live from what? Watch this. From faith to faith. We have a light shining, not down the corridors of time, that says, that's what the prize is, Mark. That's what it's going to look like. There's your building, Mark. There's your rush weekend. There's your mission. There's... God doesn't do that. You know what he does? He says, I call you to walk today, one step at a time. Today, you know what I'm worried about right now? I'm worried about the invitation in just a moment. And you know what God said? Don't even worry about that, Mark, because right now I'm doing something before you get to that point. Because I'm walking by faith. He told Abraham another time, he said, I want you to go up to this mountain. Take your son, your only son. It was a hint of the person of Jesus Christ, who is the only begotten son of God, who would walk up that hill to that place of the skull, off that big mountain. But watch this. He didn't tell him where you're going. He said, take your son, take the wood, take a couple of servants with you, and start walking and go to a mountain that I will show you. You see, the mundane of life sometimes is we want all the answers. We want to know. Say, Martin, why is this important? Because I think we need an everyday endurance faith. Here's what I believe to be true. Many of us will get our life today right with God. And then we start running. We start running the race. Man, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to sign up for this. And I gotta... hey, listen, I, I, we need volunteers and I get that. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you got to just back up, stop, and look at God and say, What do you want me to do? Just start walking. There are women in this room today that have been praying for their husband for a long time. Praying, crying out to God. And here's the question that we ask, ladies. Not we, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. But, but here's the questions that we ask. When is he going to turn back to you? When is he going to turn to you? When is he going to follow you? And God is saying this. He's saying, I don't need you to see what's going to happen down there. I need you to trust me when you see nothing happening. See, Proverbs 31, the virtuous wife, her faithfulness, watch this, brought honor to the husband. The Bible says when the husband entered the city gate, men blessed his name, not because he was great, but because she was great. And you listen, you got to get your head around this. This came in a time where women in that culture had no value. 
That's huge. That's, that's, a, that's a powerful statement. That men who walked in the city gates of Jerusalem walked in with their held, head held high. And you know what? People said, that man is blessed, comma, because of his wife. The children will rise up and call them blessed because of the mama. Mamas, you carry a huge, huge torch today. But don't worry about what it's going to be like when it ends up. Because if you got your eyes, watch this, don't miss this. If you got your eyes down there, you're walking over opportunity to get to the end. And then lastly, and I want to close with this. There's not only a problem, there's not only provision, but there's a promise. Everybody say promise. Verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Watch this. The word renew, I looked that up. Love this. In the Hebrew, it comes from the word chalith. It means to exchange or exchange. Oh, man, this is good. When I give my weakness to God, in exchange, I get his strength. When I get my unknown and give it to God, he gives me faith. When I give my hatred and my, my, my frustration to God, he gives me love and peace. In exchange, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and following, the Apostle Paul, writer of nearly two-thirds of the book that you hold in your hand in the New Testament, he said this, I prayed three times, three times that God would deliver me from this thorn in my flesh. Whatever it was, it was stress, it was hardship, it was difficulty. Maybe he was losing his eyesight. The Bible doesn't tell us, but watch what it says. I prayed three times that God would deliver me from this thorn in my flesh. And God said, no. That could either be frustrating to you or it could be liberating to you. The Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary, perhaps the greatest pastor to ever walk the face of the earth, called out to God and said, hey, you've called me to write your book. You've called me to take missionary journey after missionary journey to plant a church in Ephesus, to plant one in Antioch, to plant one in Galatia. You call me to do this, God, and I can't do it unless you take this thing out of my side. And Jesus, in his calm, sovereign lovable voices no because my grace is sufficient for you Paul Paul watch this Mark Ben Marty Willie Marcy Tanya Ray Starlin Doug Stephanie Stacy Chandra, and on and on and on. Here's what he's saying. It's in your weakness that my strength, Jesus says, is made perfect. We want a settling out of all the storms in our life. We do, we do, we do so much. God, bring a, bring a peace and a calm and a normalcy. Can I tell you why God doesn't do that? I know the answer. This can be the most beneficial knowledge you've ever had in your life if God brings you normalcy and consistency you will never go to church you will never cry out to him as a holy God in desperation and can I tell you that's all he wants is your whole heart but boy oh boy when the bullets start flying many of you guys know this you know that I'm about to say this there are no atheists in a foxhole those of you guys that served in the military, let me tell you something. You see that bad guy walking down the streets of Bahrain, and he walks in. He's like, man, I don't care about the Republican Guard of Sodom. And you know what? We're going to go and take this. The bullets start flying. Oh, praise God. Where's the preacher? 
And you do the same thing. Listen, we can say a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you something, guys. When the bullets of life start flying, all that high-minded stuff, all the answers you think you've got, you just want to find out where the preacher is. You want to find out where the man of God is. You want to find out who can pray with you and come alongside of you when God is saying, hey, I've sent the Holy Spirit for you. And I want you to start listening. And I want you to realize that there's a promise. And here's the promise. There's an exchange. There's a renewal that comes by waiting. Quit living your life so fast-paced that you don't just wait upon the Lord. Waiting doesn't mean not doing nothing. Waiting means walking in faith, from faith to faith. He's the author, and he's the finisher. He's the pioneer and the completer of our faith. He is the one who develops the picture. You and I don't see the end. He knows the end before the beginning starts. And watch this. you got to learn to long for him. Here's the promise. Long for him. Did you come today because you just had to? Did you come today because you're longing to hear from God? If you're longing for him, you won't be able to wait till next Sunday. You'll read his word tonight. You'll study his word Wednesday. You'll be plugged into him every day. And not only do we need to renew ourselves by longing, but we need to listen to him. Prophet Elijah heard him in a still, small voice. How did he hear him? In a silent whisper. You know how you hear a whisper from somebody? You got to be close to them. You got to be within whisper distance. You can't be. You can't be. If this is God's voice over here talking, you can't be far away. Although, wait a minute, my, my eyes are on the Lord. Oh no, no, no! You can see the. The flashings and the thunderings. And God does do that sometimes. But you know, to hear his whisper, you've got to nestle in up close to him. What'd you say, Lord? You've got to be close. And not only do you have to long for him and you can listen to him, but you've got to look to him. I'm going to give you one final closing thought. And I want this to permeate your heart this morning. When Abraham took Isaac up, his only son, to the top of that mountain, and he told him, and he knew, he knew what he had to do. He laid him down across that, that wood and, and that altar that he built. And he reaches into his side and he pulls out a knife. And he, and he, and he draws that knife back. Daddies, get a picture here, daddies. Not just a Bible story, a truth, a historical event grabs the knife and pulls it back zeroing in on the heart of his son and he, he's about ready to thrust the knife into his only son the promise nonetheless that God has given him by which that son would bring forth a seed a promise of fulfillment of the covenant of God and he draws it back but watch this he was looking he was longing but he had not been listening he would have thrust it into his heart and it would have died without being God's will but watch what happened when he brought it back maybe even at this point God said stop Look over in the thicket, and there is a ram caught by his horns without blemish. It's a foreshadowing of the person of Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, perfect and always slain before the foundation of the world. It was a picture of that. He said, take that lamb, bring him over. You know, Isaac was going, thank you. 
Thank you, God. I mean, Isaac was probably going, thank you, God, for providing a sacrifice for me, an atonement, a substitution. But, but, but I wonder that after everything settled down, Isaac was sitting maybe over by himself in the tent, maybe eating on a little bread. And he said, you know what, God? Thank you for sending a sacrifice. But maybe even more than that, thank you for giving me a daddy that would long for you, that would look to you and thank God he listened to you. Because were he not listening in that moment, I would have been killed that day. You see, stress is a predicament that we have placed ourselves in. That's the problem. The provision is what God has done as a substitution to that problem to settle out all the accounts. It is finished. And the promise is that today you can lay down your burden. You can lay down your stress. Young people, you're stressed in school. Lay it down. Mamas and daddies, you're stressed in your marriage. Lay it down. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God, today I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move over your people. Draw people to yourself in this very, very moment. No one moving, no one looking around. Do you know that you know that you know that if you died right now that you have Jesus in your heart, you have heaven for a home. Eternity is yours because you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you know that today, I'm going to do something a little different. If you prayed before and asked Christ into your heart, right here, right now, every head bowed and every eye closed, lift your hand up just to say, I know that I'm a child of the King. I am redeemed. I'm washed in the blood. I know it. I know it. I know it. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Okay, put your hands down. Several hands have not gone up. Let me tell you why you came today. You didn't come today to hear a song. You didn't come today because somebody brought you. You came today because God brought you to this place for such a time as this to say I love you to say I died for you to say I redeemed you but today is your moment your very millisecond in time of all of eternity past and all of eternity future the right now faith says this today I will accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior I will ask him into my heart Mark you don't know what I've done guess what you're right but God does and he died for that it's a prayer of faith by his grace you shall be saved would you pray with me right now from your heart to God if you are not sure do it right now pray right now Father in heaven I believe in Jesus Christ and I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart forgive all my sin Jesus will you save me be the Lord of my life help me to live for you to be who you want me to be until the day you call me home in Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Men, women, boys and girls, if you prayed that prayer today, don't you be ashamed of that. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And I want to do something right now. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to point you out. But if you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart right now, lift your hand right now. Don't you hesitate. God bless you, sir. Lift it up high. Lift it up. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Pastor David. It's going to be standing down front. I'll be standing in the middle. Benji over here. Chad over here. Here's what we're going to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. 
when I ask everyone to stand in just a moment, if you got a burden on your heart, if you got stress in your life, in your job, in your business, in your marriage, young people in school, in relationships, I challenge you today to step over into the promise of God, to right now lay it at His feet and say, take it from me, God. Take it from me. I'm laying down my burden today and I'm picking up the promise of God to go out of this place different than when I came in. It's time. It's time to be kicked out of the nest of comforts and normalcy and mundane everyday church stuff and kick out of the seat and start flying on your own. Come to this altar today, right now, on the count of three, when I ask you to stand up. Those of you who have asked Jesus into your heart, come. Those of you who need to be relieved of stress, come. Those of you who want to join our church and be a part of the family, come. Those of you who just have a burden for a lost loved one or friend, come. Everybody has a reason to come today. On the count of three, I want you to move. I want you to come. Don't debate it. One, two, three. Let's stand to our feet. Everybody in the house, let's come. We're here. If God's spoken to you, come and shake one of these guys' hands. If you believe that God is leading you to this place, come today and let's be a part of the family. This is your time. Don't miss it.